Section 28 of Great Epochs in American History, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Great Epochs in American History, Volume 2. The Planting of the First Colonies, 1562-1733, by Francis Whiting Halsey the charter oak affair in connecticut sixteen eighty two by alexander johnston in december sixteen eighty six the hartford authorities were called upon to measure their strength again with their old antagonist andros had landed at boston commissioned as governor of all new england and bent on abrogating the charters following dudley's lead he wrote to treat suggesting that by this time the trial of the writs had certainly gone against the colony and that the authorities would do much to commend the colony to his majesty's good pleasure by entering a formal surrender of the charter the colony authorities were possibly as well versed in the law of the case as andros and they took good care to do nothing of the sort and as the event showed they thus saved the charter the assembly met as usual on october sixteen eighty seven but their records show that they were in profound doubt and distress andros was with them accompanied by some sixty regular soldiers to enforce his demand for the charter it is certain that he did not get it though the records as usual are cautious enough to give no reason why tradition is responsible for the story of the charter oak the assembly had met the royal governor in the meeting-house the demand for the charter had been made and the assembly had exhausted the resources of language to show to andros how dear it was to them and how impossible it was to give it up andros was immovable he had watched that charter with longing eyes from the banks of the hudson and he had no intention of giving up his object now that the king had put him in power on the banks of the connecticut toward evening the case had become desperate the little democracy was at last driven into a corner where its old policy seemed no longer available it must resist openly or make a formal surrender of its charter just as the lights were lighted the legal authorities yielded so far as to order the precious document to be brought in and laid on the table before the eyes of andros then came a little more debate suddenly the lights were blown out captain wadworth of hartford carried off the charter and hid it in the hollow oak tree on the estate of wireless's just across the riverette and when the lights were relighted the colony was no longer able to comply with andros demand for a surrender although the account of the affair is traditional it is difficult to see any good grounds for impeaching it on that account it supplies in the simplest and most natural manner a blank in the hartford proceedings of andros which would otherwise be quite unaccountable his plain purpose was to force connecticut into a position where she must either surrender the charter or resist openly he failed the charter never was in his possession and the official records assign no reason for his failure the colony was too prudent and andros too proud to put the true reason on record tradition supplies the gap with an exactness which proves itself having done all that men could do treat and his associates bowed for the time to superior force andros was allowed to read his commission fitzjohn and wait winthrop and john allen received appointments as members of his council for new england 
john allen made what the governor doubtless considered to be the closing record for all time but it is noteworthy that the record was so written as to flatter andros vanity while it really put in terms a declaration of overpowering force on which the commonwealth finally succeeded in saving her charter from invalidation it is as follows quote, at a general court at hartford october thirty first eighteen eighty seven his excellency sir edmund andros knight and captain-general and governor of his majesty's territories and dominions in new england by order of his majesty james the second king of england scotland france and ireland the thirty-first of october sixteen eighty seven took into his hands the government of the colony of connecticut it being by his majesty annexed to massachusetts and other colonies under his excellency's government Phoenix, the government was destined to last far longer than either the governor or his government but while it lasted andros government was bitterly hated and with good reason the reasons are more peculiarly appropriate to the history of massachusetts where they were felt more keenly than in connecticut but even in connecticut poor as was the field for plunder and distant as it was from the ring which surrounded andros the exactions of the new system were well-nigh intolerable to a people whose annual expense of government had been carefully kept down to the lowest limits so that says bancroft they did not exceed four thousand dollars and the wages of the chief justice were ten shillings a day while on service april sixteen eighty nine came at last the people of boston at the first news of the english revolution clapped andros into custody may ninth the old connecticut authorities quietly resumed their functions and called the assembly together for the following month william and mary were proclaimed with great favor not a word was said about the disappearance or reappearance of the charter but the charter government was put into full effect again as if andros had never interrupted it an address was sent to the king asking that the charter be no further interfered with but operations under it went on as before no decided action was taken by the home government for some years except that its appointment of the new york governor fletcher to the command of the connecticut militia implied a decision that the connecticut charter had been superseded late in sixteen ninety three fitz john winthrop was sent to england as agent to obtain a confirmation of the charter he secured an emphatic legal opinion from attorney-general summers backed by those of treby and ward that the charter was entirely valid treby's concurrent opinion taking this shape quote, i am of the same opinion and as this matter is stated there is no ground of doubt unquote. the basis of the opinion was that the charter had been granted under the great seal that it had not been surrendered under the common seal of the colony nor had any judgment of record been entered against it that its operation had merely been interfered with by overpowering force that the charter therefore remained valid and that the peaceable submission of the colony to andros was merely an illegal suspension of lawful authority in other words the passive attitude of the colonial government had disarmed andros so far as to stop the legal proceedings necessary to forfeit the charter and then prompt action at the critical moment secured all that could be secured under the circumstances william was willing enough to retain all possible fruits of jane's tyranny 
as he showed by enforcing the forfeiture of the massachusetts charter but the law in this case was too plain and he ratified the lawyer's opinion in april sixteen ninety four the charter had escaped its enemies at last and its escape is a monument of one of the advantages of a real democracy end of section twenty eight